Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. This week, we have Donovan Quayle, CEO of OptumCare. But first, I got to thank my sponsors, Enterprise Bank and Trust, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, and the Tom James Company. On this week's episode, I welcome Donovan Quayle. With a drive to give a voice to people with rare and orphan conditions, Donovan Quayle challenges healthcare industry to live up to its patient-first potential. His drive to do this is personal. A rare genetic disorder runs in the Quayle family. He had an immediate knowledge of navigating healthcare from all sides. The front row seat of dealing with doctors, support groups, insurance, and pharmacies created him on a mission to align healthcare's industry with inventors who, like him, are seeking to serve patients as people. Today, Donovan is the CEO and co-founder of OptumCare, a nationally recognized pharmacy that creates a trusted path to improved lives for patients with rare and orphan disorders. It is my honor to welcome Donovan Quayle to the show. Donovan Quayle, welcome to the STLers podcast. I appreciate you uh, joining me today. Thanks, Brian. Good to be here. Absolutely. Well, we got connected through uh, kind of a mutual friend and, uh, you know, chatted with you a few weeks ago about doing this episode and I'm really kind of inspired by not only kind of what you're doing and your passion behind it, but also the kind of culture that you have created at your organization. And as a big Disney fan, I'm excited to really dive into that uh, later on in this uh, episode here. So let's get started. I always kind of start uh, what I say is in the beginning, um, where just talk about growing up kind of what led you to kind of where you are today. I know you had some time in there. It's coaching as well. So talk to me kind of about that entire uh, career as well as kind of where you're at today. Yeah, sure. So um, growing up, grew up, grew up outside of Philadelphia, um, you know, great parents, uh, really uh, education focused. Uh, both my parents were uh, uh, in education. My mom was a special ed teacher. My dad was an elementary school teacher and principal. Um, what was really different about my, you know, growing up is that my dad was pretty sick most of his life. Um, so he uh, had a genetic disorder called alpha one and a trypsin deficiency. Um, but you know, he, which, which really, you know, caused him to have a, you know, decline in health. Um, one of the things that was great about him though, is even while he was suffering, he was really one of the brightest individuals I've ever met. And, you know, when I say bright, doesn't, I don't mean super smart. He was, but when I say bright, I mean, he kind of had this light about him and it, and it brought about the good in all people. Um, and people were drawn to him. 
he made everyone better version of themselves, whether you knew him for five minutes or five years, you somehow were a better person just because you knew him. And, you know, while education was always a, a big thing in their lives and, and they kind of kept that mantra of knowledge is power, we, we tried to find everything we knew about his disorder kind of going through and even going through college and, you know, pushing, you know, us to do, you know, the best. Um, we, we, we really had that, 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 that backing from both my parents and, you know, it's, it's interesting. My, you know, the, my first career, as you mentioned, was, was a coach and I was a college lacrosse coach and upon graduating from college, I had two job offers. One being a teacher counselor for 15 to 18 year old court appointed boys high school in Philadelphia, or being an assistant lacrosse coach for DeSales university. So I, I instantly chose the uh, assistant lacrosse coach for my alma mater. And at age 24, I was actually promoted to being the head coach of the team. So at 24, you're in charge of these uh, 18 to 22 year olds, and you're supposed to be their, their guiding light. And, you know, the person I always turn to is my dad and they, you know, and I always turn to him for advice because he was kind of that, that guiding light for me for all those years, even though he, you know, couldn't, you know, play the sport, but he, he, he offered, always offered a lot of advice on how to work with people, um, how to educate, how to talk to people and how to provide people that, that, that guidance, um, which I think he probably gained from those years in education and those years of being a teacher and a principal. And I applied a lot of those things to, you know, to the way that I coached and, you know, and the way that I do a lot of things is, is because of the, uh, the relationship I had with him and the, uh, that guidance of acceptance and always try to be teaching, always try to be helping people, always try to see the, the good in everything that you do. So yeah. it was really a, uh, a defining moment in my life. And, you know, he was a really, he was a true, uh, true light in my life. Absolutely. Let's talk about um, Alpha One. Talk to me about, sure. you know, for those people obviously listening to this episode, including me before I met you, right? I, I didn't, I never heard of it. I didn't know what mm -hmm. it was. I didn't know what the, the, what the disease is. So talk to me about exactly what it is, how it attacks your um, system and really how that has, you know, impacted your life and not, not in, a, in a way of um, passion, meaning, you know, obviously I know it's a big part of your career now. So talk to me a little bit yep. about that. Yeah, so uh, alpha one and a trypsin deficiency, just as a as a quick lesson in in you know the disorder, um, is really a, it's a genetic disorder that can affect your lungs or your liver. Um, in adults, it can cause both emphysema and cirrhosis, or both, whether you smoked or you drank or any of those things. In children, um, you typically see uh, it affect your liver and in, in, in a form of cirrhosis. So. It's a uh, debilitating disorder um, where your body's just not making an enzyme and, you know, it can really, you know, wreak havoc on your, on your ability to, you know, breathe or your ability to, you know, for your liver to process. Um, our lives really changed on a trip to Disney in 1998 or 1988. Uh, my dad went off a water slide and tried to come up out of the water. Um, he quickly realized that he couldn't catch his breath and he kind of freaked out. Um, after that, we got home from Disney and we went to see his pulmonologist. We went to see some doctors. Um, we saw his health decline over the years. And in 2006, he actually had to have a double lung transplant due to alpha one related lung disease. Um, unfortunately, our lives changed again uh, a couple of years ago when he actually was diagnosed with alpha one related liver disease and unfortunately passed away due to that. And while, while it's really sad to think about, I, I look at all the things that we've done in life. And while our story is sad, uh, my family was really lucky. My family was really lucky because we knew we had this genetic disorder within our family. Unfortunately, for these rare disorders, and as you mentioned, Brian, you know, you never heard of this. 
there's a lot of folks out there with either, you know, with, with disorders, just like alpha one, you know, it could be Cushing's, it could be, you know, a chronic ITP, it could be, you know, cystic fibrosis. And a lot of these patients, unlike our family, go through this struggle just to get a diagnosis. Right. In the, in the rare and orphan world, it really, it takes seven to 10 years and three to five different physicians on average for you before you really get a diagnosis for those patients. And then you're told you have something rare. And at this, at this point, most people shut down. Yeah. Um, and then physicians are really challenged to come up with the answers and, and the comforting answers. And most times those physicians, they don't know much about the condition. So, you know, we, we took kind of a positive, a negative in our family. And after my dad's transplant, um, we realized we really needed to do something. And we realized that the, the experiences that we had over the years um, really brought my dad and I closer together. And we both decided to get involved. Yep. So I left my coaching career and he left his teaching profession and we got involved in advocacy. And that's when we really got, eye op- you know, you really have an eye opening to, to healthcare. And, you know, you, you think all these patient, these, these companies are really a patient first organization. And then you kind of step back and you go, well, you know, they're, they're product first, they're profit first. And then they put some patient services behind some things. Um, and then you also, you meet a lot of patients and physicians and, and caregivers that, that are really left to navigate that healthcare landscape on their own. And it wasn't until I got to uh, I, my, my change of career into advocacy um, to Centric Health Resources, um, a company my partner, Michelle, founded, that I truly saw what patient care was all about. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders Podcast, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Talk to us about that, that path to, to starting your own company and really what you're doing to help people. Because to your earlier point, you know, these are rare, rare disorders, rare diseases. And I think you had mentioned to me last time that there's only 150,000 people in the United States who even, you know, uh, are diagnosed with alpha one. Mm-hmm. Um, and about only, I think your, your statistics that you told me was only 9,000 people in the country are even on treatment for it. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yep. That is, that is absolutely correct. And, you know, that, that, and like I said, that spans for you know, a lot of different rare disorders where they say there's, you know, this many patients, you know, from an epidemiology study. And then there's a, you know, a really small number that are actually treated and found because of that, that, you know, diagnose that diagnosis issue that we all, right. that we all see. Right. So, you know, coming, you know, CEO of OptimiCare um, and, and really, you know, looking at how we started OptimiCare. So my partners, Michelle Heffley, Larry Glasscott, and I realized that there was really a need for a company to take that patient first approach to care a little more serious. So we founded OptimiCare based on that firsthand, you know, that firsthand experience that we've all had within the healthcare system. You know, mine from a, from a patient and caregiver standpoint, Michelle's from a, you know, nursing and, and managing, you know, specialty pharmacies and other companies. And then Larry has a, you know, a strong background in, in healthcare finance and, and, and accounting. So we took all the things that we've known and, and learned throughout, you know, our careers. And we basically put that to founding OptimiCare. And we felt by focusing on the patient and understanding the importance um, of all those that matter in the treatment process, that we're able to provide that trusted path forward. 
we're able to ensure patients and those that are involved in the patient, you know, in the patient care, receive the support, receive the education and receive that care that they deserve. Uh, for people with an orphan condition or a rare condition, this is exceedingly important and can have a direct impact on their success uh, of the particular therapy that they're prescribed. So we want to maximize that, that success. And then when I looked at, uh, from, from a personal standpoint, you know, I looked at it as my opportunity to get back into coaching, right? So, you know, as a CEO, I, I saw that I had a chance to create and coach a team again, uh, yeah. much like, I, you know, I always wanted. Um, this team, however, was centered around a life's mission uh, and helping others with rare and orphan conditions. So I, I think a, a lot of our business is, is, is around that team approach and everything we do. We have, you know, teams within teams that support different patient populations. Um, they have that singleness of purpose. Um, and we build teams and our leadership around that. And I wanted to see something that like that in healthcare, because I really feel that that's, that's the, the secret sauce in what we do. Absolutely. And you said to me, you know, when we talked, you guys do in obviously a variety of different things like advocacy, but also specialty pharmacy contract with drug manufacturers. Tell me how you guys um, are helping patients through the, you know, the most challenging times of their life. Yeah. So it goes back to that diagnosis, right? So, you know, with, with us, we're, we're that we're, we're nationally licensed and accredited specialty pharmacy patient service organization. Um, and essentially for nearly everyone we serve clients, patients, physicians, insurance companies, we're that single point of contact. We're a one-stop shop, if you will, for, for the care that they need. So when a patient gets diagnosed with a rare and orphan condition, they, you know, they shut down, they have that, that, that mechanism that they're, they're, they're searching for answers. Now they they've come out of their, their shutdown mechanism. They've come out of their, what was me? They've come out of their, I need help. They're at that. I need help stage. So they're looking for answers and we're there to help provide answers. They're looking at therapies that probably are a little bit more expensive than your typical over the counter therapy. So we're there to help and um, provide, you know, financial support. We're helped there to, we're helped there to help them navigate through the insurance companies. We're there to help them set up these care plans and these treatment plans that are going to maximize their, you know, their life. And they're going to, it's going to help them navigate all of that healthcare landscape in one single focused place with one person that knows what they're going through. And we're there to walk beside them and, and hold their hand through the entire process that most of us would find daunting if we had to do it on our own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I, what I find very interesting uh, about your story is, you know, you graduated college, uh, you started as a lacrosse coach, right? And then um, your passion for helping others, uh, as well as for this disorder that obviously affected you and your family has, uh, has blended over to a business. And so um, what was it like to start your own business? Obviously, you have some partners involved that um, it sounds like, you know, have some experience in, in this as well. And obviously having a good team around you to, to start a business is obviously just as important as having a good team that works for you. Um, but talk to me a little bit about what that experience was like to starting a business, some of the challenges that maybe came with it. Um, but what was that like? Yeah, so it, it, it is really everything, you know, and I think everybody has, has that, you know, that, that dream of being, you know, something and creating something special. And I think we've really done that with OptimiCare, but it's exhilarating um, uh, to start something and start something so purpose-driven um, and, and really to start it with a group of folks that you respect and, and that, that are friends and that are with you as co-founders. Um, the key is building that, that team with decades of experience. Um, the biggest thing is sharing a mission that you agree with and you have a purpose for 
And it really gave a sense that we were all in, you know, it wasn't this, Hey, let's start something because we want to, it's, it's start something because we have a purpose. Um, it, it feels great to have founded a successful business, but it's uh, downright frightening at times too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, you look at what the pandemic brought, right? You know, the, the, we, we had to make a lot of decisions. Everybody was looking at you to be the, uh, the guy to make those decisions and what's, what's right at what time um, and the stress that, that goes into it and the stress that our patients felt, the stress that our employees felt, our pharma partners, um, everybody in the, in the community. Um, but I really do say, you know, really feel that when you hire the right team and you have a dynamic team that, that, that comes through, um, and I'm internally grateful for the strength of our, of our culture and our people and finding that creative ways to provide our clients with the results that we've had and to, and to provide the patients with the care that they, that they deserve, um, through all of this. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of people stepping up, taking on new responsibilities, doing things differently, helping us as we've grown. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a true testament to having that mission, that purpose and that culture that, that really is, uh, is key. Yeah. Well, and to your point, obviously this pandemic, you know, I, I think a lot of people realize this, but you know, it affected so many people, so many businesses in so many different ways, right? It was, um, as brutal or, you know, some people might've enjoyed the quarantine time. Some people probably hated it. Right. But as brutal as that time period was where we were pretty much shut down as a country, um, it, it brought a lot of challenges to people like yourself that were running businesses who had to make really tough, tough decisions. Right. And um, I got to imagine, you know, sitting in a position like you are, uh, you leaned on your leadership and your coaching experience um, and also your culture to help make those decisions. But let's dive deep into that kind of culture and that philosophy, because one thing that I really enjoyed talking to you about the last time we chatted was um, was your leadership style. Um, I think um, just from the brief brief time I've known you, I think it's um, it's a little different than most people I've had on this podcast. Uh, but I will also say it's probably the um, best conversation I've had with a leader in the St. Louis area. And maybe that's just because I have a passion around Disney. Maybe, maybe that's why. I mean, maybe a little bit, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm a little biased because of my love for Disney. And a lot of people say to me, why do you love Disney so much? And, and I, I can't really explain it. I, I don't know how to explain it. It's always just been that place that my family went to on vacation that I just, I just loved. And now my wife and I have kind of carried that tradition on. We've been, you know, we've been together two years and we've been to Disney four times in two years and we're going again this year. And so Talk to me about your philosophy, your leadership style, the culture that you've created within your organization and how Disney has made an impact on all of that. Yep. Yeah. So um, if you, if you, if you were to ask our clients and our patients uh, that we serve, um, you know, about their experience um, I really believe, and I, and we've heard it a numerous times when we do our patient surveys and our physician surveys and our client surveys that they say there's something that they feel is just like magical and it's not by mistake. Um, it's we, we, that, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. They say that, but we've actually created a culture that we call making magic. Um, it stems from the Disney culture. Um, it stems from a, a book our, our, our philosophy is based around a book called creating magic by Lee Cockerell. Um, we do give it to every new hire. I sit down with each and every person that starts here for a few hours to kind of explain my philosophy and my, you know, my, my understanding of what making magic is all about. Um, you know, we go through the book, we talk about how we work with each other while we, we include every single person or every, every type of functionality we have here, um, from our care coordinators to our senior level management in every decision we make. Um, 
And it offers really a language and a philosophy about leadership strategies that everyone here understands because we have that same understanding of what we're doing. We have a patient first philosophy that requires that we are really serious about our culture. Um, you know, and, and, you know, with Disney, they're very serious about their customer service. So we're a customer service. We we're here as a service industry and we want to make sure that our culture makes magic. So our effectiveness in all of our programs is only as good as the motivations and excellence of the people that are here. So when we develop folks, we really take that serious. Um, we have, uh, we call, you know, we have, we have a series of folks that are in our leadership team and in our, that filter through all, all different, you know, functional areas, what we call culture champions. Uh, we set up leadership labs that those champions can share and, you know, and have the share their leadership skills and communication skills. Uh, we set up culture labs for all people so we can personalize and create new, new learnings and development opportunities. Um, people learn by stepping outside their comfort zone. So we try to push people in different directions. We try to push people outside of their personality types. And, you know, we try to make sure that they're all on top of that. And then um, our overall philosophy is that we care about people and, and really the people are what make the magic. And that's, that's the people that we have here. So when we, when we bring people in, we really try to bring people in with that character and that, that understanding before they get here. And then, once they're here, it's, it's really like a family atmosphere. And when people come in, you know, and interact with us, I always say, I want you to feel the magic and, you know, and, and we want to make sure that, you know, that, that our folks feel the magic. So it's, it's really a, it's really a feeling. Um, and, you know, when you say you can't explain it, it's because it's magic. Yeah. And, and that's what it is here. Yeah. Well, and I think what's um, critical about that response to that question that I asked you is you have it outlined right? You know what your process is to help create that magic. You know, um, you take the time out of your day to make sure that everybody, you know, that you meet with every new hire and have those conversations. Um, you provide the book, you know, creating magic by Lee Cockerell to each, to each employee, but you have a process, you have uh, an outline of exactly what your culture looks like and how you want it to be passed down by not only the leadership of your organization, but to the employees on your team and to the patients that are clients of yours, right? And it's not a culture that just um, you wing, uh, right? A lot of people I talk to talk to me, they have great cultures. And when I ask, well, how did you create it? Um, <laughs> I get sometimes responses that I, I just don't fully comprehend on well, how, well, how did it happen? It wasn't just, nothing just happens by happenstance, right? It, there's gotta be something that created that culture and your organization clearly has it outlined, identified, and what you want that culture to be, and you follow through with that. My question is, Disney obviously has an impact on that, but where is the connection to Disney for you? Is it the, you know, you mentioned earlier in this episode about, you know, your, your father's experience back in 1988 mm -hmm. coming down a water slide, but where did the Disney, where did that philosophy come? Was it from you? Was it from your partners on why you wanted to create your organizational culture similar to what that of Disney has created, you know, uh, in their culture. Yeah. So, you know, it, 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 like you said, I mentioned it earlier where, you know, it's Disney that kind of changed our life, you know, for, for the better or for the worse, however you look at it, really opened our eyes to things uh, from a healthcare standpoint. And then um, the book was actually introduced to me uh, from a, from a great mentor and friend gave me a copy of it, you know, years ago for Christmas. And he wrote a little message in it and said, I believe this book reminds me a lot of you, um, you know, and it's, it's a lot of the things that has a lot of the common sense things that you do on a daily basis with, you know, whatever, whatever career path you're on. And, 
it was it was an interesting uh you know insight and i and i read it a few times that you know going back and forth on a plane and you know any team that i managed or any team that i was part of i really try to keep a lot of those philosophies um alive because i, I do believe that everybody is you know important in the decision making process and you know you don't want to leave people out and i believe that you know you need to recognize people for the great things that they do no matter how great or how small they are um and then when we um looked at Optimi care. Um, and we were, we, we were ready to open our doors. We had the build out, we got all of our licenses. We did all the things that you need to do to get a pharmacy and drug distribution program up to start. And it was right before we opened our doors. I figured I could take that last big family vacation, um, with my kids and my wife before I had to really immerse myself in all the work that we were going to do here. So we went to Disney and, we, we had right before I, we had left, we started talking about, you know, really defining our culture and what that means. And, you know, making sure that as we open our doors here at Optimi Care, we start hiring people, we have a culture that people can turn to. And while I was in Disney, I really, um, you know, paid attention and I really looked at the things that I read. And, you know, I, you know, I read the book a few times prior to me going and I was like, you know what, let me see if this is real. <laughs> you know, cause there's a lot of insights in the book that talk about, you know, how they, how they interact with people and how they, you know, take the trash out, how they do that. So all those little things that I read about, I wanted to see if I could like pick up on it while I was there. And one of the things I was, we, we were there for the, uh, the very Merry Christmas, the lit, the light parade down main street. And I was holding my daughter and I was standing there with my sons and my wife and it wasn't overtly and it wasn't forced, but each of the cast characters that came over to us and it wasn't, you know, every single one of them, but they came over and they said something to my kids or to me or to my daughter that made it feel really special. And you felt the magic. And when I felt that magic, it really was what I wanted to embody here at Optimi Care. And when you say, I don't know how to explain it, you just have to feel it. It's really what I wanted to, you know, have there. So that's one of the reasons why we put this culture into place is everyone here understands that, you know, we can do those little things and say those little things, but you really have to mean it and you really have to have it felt for those yeah. folks that are on the other side of the, that are, that are on the other side of the phone that we're taking care of or that walk in. Yeah. So that's kind of like the, you know, how, how we, how it all came about. It was literally standing there and seeing it and feeling it. And that's, that's the key to, I think the magic. Yeah, well, and I hope and pray, you know, I was uh, in Disney last July, right when they reopened. Um, I'm going back this fall, hopefully, uh, that's the plan anyway. Um, and my hope and prayer is that, you know, Disney doesn't get away from that, even though they've had to cut a lot of things because of this pandemic, right. because of the financial losses that they have taken. That to your point, that does, that is what makes Disney such a special place is um, the customer service there has always been fantastic. The way they treat their guests, the way they take care of their guests, the way the park is cleaned, the way the park is taken care of, all of those things talk, you know, interact about that experience and the magic that you feel. And so, you know, there's, there's a very, you know, a lot of companies that were hurt, hit pretty hard by this pandemic, but Disney was obviously one of those as well. Yep. Um, and so my hope is that they, they don't lose sight of that. Um, because I think that's what takes it from just another theme park uh, to a real experience and why people spend thousands of dollars <laughs> a week there uh, <laughs> yeah. to experience that, right? I mean, Disney is not a cheap place, let me tell you, right. but um, it's all kind of part of that entire experience. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, uh, Donovan, I always kind of leave uh, my podcast and this ep- these episodes with, you know, asking for tangible advice uh, from the CEOs that I talk to. And so if you could leave the audience with one piece of advice today, what would that be? I'd say a uh, big, big thing I always say is focus on your thing. You know, for us, it's, it's patience. Uh, we're constantly thinking of how we can serve those patients better. Uh, even when other priorities distract you or when a crisis happens, especially like last year, you know, we hold one thing accountable. And that one thing is to make sure that you're, you know, taking care of that, that thing. And for us, it's, it's patience and, and, you know, making magic for those patients. So whatever your thing is, make sure you focus on it. You do it, you do it well. And, you know, I always say make magic and win the day. I love it. I love it. Donovan, on behalf of the S Taylor's podcast, I appreciate not only what you're doing uh, for the St. Louis community, um, creating jobs for our community, but also giving back um, to, to those patients that are really relying on you to help them guide through them through one of the most challenging you know, times of their entire life. And so um, thank you for being a great STL leader and thank you for coming on our show. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode with Jimmy Sansone, co-founder of The Normal Brand.